We're going to jump into the message. We've been unpacking the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we said first things, and it's still first things because um, we're only into February, y'all. It's still the first part of the year. Um, some of y'all, it's like, what? The first part of the year? It's long gone. No, we're still getting in here. And we're still gleaning from it. And I just want to remind us that this was not something, even though it was a 10-minute sermon, 10 minutes, we're probably going to take at least, by the time we get through, about 10 weeks for 10 minutes. And the reason we want to do that, this was the first sermon that Jesus preached to his disciples, his followers, who had some other people curious that came and sat down with him on this mount. It's not the Sermon of the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, this hill that was uh, literally on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee. And they all gathered around him as he taught this 10-minute sermon, but it was so full and so rich, and he laid out what he wanted us as his followers to do. And he did it in such a way, hopefully, that you get into the, you're getting to the point where you realize, I can't do this. If you ain't got there yet, hopefully this morning will help nudge you over to that side. Because <laughs> if you can do it, then Jesus isn't necessary. If you can do it, then the Holy Spirit is not necessary. You and I, we cannot be holy without the Holy Spirit. It ain't going to happen. Otherwise, it's just religion and it's just religious activity that we get involved in making us feel better, but it doesn't transform anything on the inside. And so we attend buildings, we come into a building, we come in and we hear and we sit for a little while. This is where... What we just heard this, this morning from Miss Terry is, this is the body of Christ in action. That wasn't just on Sunday. That was on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, which is what we're supposed to be engaged in in this community to make a difference. And so um, I want us, as we continue to unpack, I'm just going to go real quickly, run over the brief history, because I've been doing this with the ABCs just it's my own personal thing. It helps me stay focused. I know none of y'all deal with ADHD or anything like that. All the men in the house, amen. But anyhow, or we say the women in the house, amen. Anyhow, so we started with A, which we said was attitude. And so that was for the B attitudes. The very first thing Jesus started out with was the attitude of the heart. And he went from being poor to being persecuted in eight statements. And so having these be attitudes of saying, hey, Jesus wants us to have this attitude and we realize I can't do that on my own. I don't have the ability to do all eight of those without his strength, without his ability. The second one was be, was be salt and light. That's what he told. You are the salt and the light. And that's where you bring flavor to everywhere you go. You bring flavor and also you bring revelation and understanding by the way you live, by the way you, you interact with people around you. C was for covenants and that was the old covenant made new. Uh, first things, you know, this whole thing. So when we think of, of Jesus, many people have asked and, and you can go back and look at that the third week. And many people think, why do we need the Old Testament? We broke it down. Why we need the Old Testament? Because Jesus said, don't think I came to abolish it. But I came to fulfill it and fill it full its rightful meaning and how we operate in that. D was dedicated to relationships. And that was a hard one because I've been tested on that many times since. This has been prepared and it's like, oh, yeah. 
And that was where we said we love our enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you. And you're like, what? I don't, we don't naturally think about that. We think of revenge. You come at me, I'm coming at you harder. And so that was the one we dedicated to that. Jesus was dedicated to love the people that didn't love him. He was committed, hanging on a cross, beaten beyond recognition, beaten bloody, looking at the ones that just did this to him. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's what we call dedicated to relationship, dedicated to be connected. And then E, uh, our wonderful executive pastor, Mark Anthony, who is one of those enjoying right now his, his freedom, is exercising spiritual disciplines through the transformational love of God. And that was a wonderful thing where it's not just transactional, it's transformational. And everything God does, he wants us to be changed on the inside out. And so it is this transformational relationship. And then last week, uh, we went over and looked at this thing of financial submission. We're in uh, chapter six, and today I'm happy to tell you, we are gonna get finished with chapter six today. Praise God, and we'll move on to chapter 7 next week. And I want to tell you, you want to be here? Because if you have a problem judging people, you want to go ahead and show up. I probably shouldn't tell you guys like, oh, no, I'm not showing up. <laughs> I pray you'll show up because you'll see what it, it means a lot more than what we think it is. But for this morning, G is we getting practical about possessions. Getting practical about possession. Because that's what was started last week when Pastor Mark Anthony looked at financial submission. And so did a great job, but I want to go over it because this was all a flow from, from uh, Matthew chapter uh, 6, 19 all the way through 34. Um, he just covered a little bit, but it's all one flow. And so I'm going to ask you if you would, we're going to go ahead and read through that. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm just going to go starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else... He will lo uh, be loyal to the one and despise the other. Hmm, interesting. You cannot serve God and mammon. Then the next section, verse 25, which we'll dive into a little deeper today. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are, are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? 
So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is, which today is here and tomorrow is, is thrown into the fire, uh, thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And he even makes this statement, O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And he goes on in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. And he goes on to say, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, thank you right now for your word that does transform our hearts. Lord, thank you that we don't have to try to get it to fit into our lives, but Lord, we're to fit into it, Lord, that you, we see ourselves and that, Lord, we are to, to allow your word to form who we are and how we operate on this planet. And so, Lord, as we break this down and study it into, into greater, put it into greater perspective, Holy Spirit, thank you for doing what me or no other man can do, and that is illuminate this in our hearts, in our minds, and in our spirits. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Albert Schweitzer, a great theologian who was born at the end of the 19th century and lived into the 20th century, once said... If you own something you cannot give away, then you don't own it. It owns you. <laughs> oh, ouch. Because there's a lot of things we own. If you think about what you own and how to, to try to think, oh, I could just give that away. I mean, when we think about, so last week when Pastor Mark Anthony was talking about treasures and he broke it down in a great way, but I want to expound for just a minute on that because in America we missed an opportunity and I, I felt bad because he's almost excusing himself like, oh goodness, we got to talk about money. You know, maybe we could skip over that. And I'm like, skip over it? What? <laughs> Parents, how many wish your kids understood everything about money you understand at this point in your life? <laughs> How many of you wish you understood what you understand at this point in your life? You understood back then when your parents was trying to teach you about money. It's like, what? How many are still learning and going, I still need some help with the possession thing. I don't need it to possess me. And so here in America, when we talk about really treasures, really in its essence is accumulated excess. That's all it is. This isn't talking about needs because when we think of treasure, sometimes it can be like, well, I'm not supposed to have good food. I'm not, we'll talk about it in a minute. I'm not supposed to have nice clothes. And it's like everything is treasure. No. Remember, he's talking about storage and treasure, not your everyday life. So he wasn't talking about, hey, this thing of storage, it's excess. And if anything, America, whoo, Jesus. Do we know about collecting excess stuff or possession? Anybody here ever been to a yard sale in Southeast Georgia? Some of y'all, you ain't got to put your hands up like, I go to yard sales. 
I'm doing it because we, that's how we kept our kids in nice clothing. It's like, oh, they still got tags on it. We can do this. But what, you know, what's the saying when we think of yard sales is this, you know, one man's is another man's, <laughs> one man's trash is another man's treasure. And it's so funny because in Southeast Georgia, we go get up early in the morning and man, I'm telling you, we used to have them. When I was a youth pastor, we had one two times a year and there'd be people show up here. We'd open the door at seven. People would get here at 6.15. Like we wait, we're going to be the first one. We'd fill that, that, that whole gym up with your treasure. Some of y'all still call me and say, y'all still do yard sales? Not me, I don't do youth. Y'all got y'all to talk to the youth pastor. He got it smarter than I did. He's like, dad, I can't do that. I said, yeah, I can't either, so praise God. Anyhow, when we think of stuff and we think of storage, I did a little, I, I did some research on statistics. 10% of all Americans have one or more storage rental units. Hey, Put your toes in. I'm not here to stomp on them. I'm just here. I'm just laying out some facts. Take it easy. Take it easy, okay? In America, only America, there are nearly 50,000 storage units. Oh, goodness. If we were to do the math on them currently, there's 7.3 square feet of storage space for every man, woman, and child in America, which means it's possible for every American at the same time to stand under the canopy of self-storage roofing. Do we got stuff or what? And you know what's funny? It's never enough stuff. So when we used to go and I, was, I would get these young people and I'm like, hey, it, was, it, would, for, it, would, it would serve a twofold purpose when I would get kids together to do yard sales. One, it did raise incredible funds for them to go overseas. So it wasn't just something, hey, just hand it to us. They did. And then two, we worked out all the kinks before we got overseas. <laughs> so all the attitudes and all, they're not helping and, and I'm tired and all that. That got worked out before we ever showed up overseas. And we'd go overseas and everybody's like, you've got such a wonderful group of young people. And I said, you have no idea. <laughs> you just see the end results. You did not see the process that we went to. And thanks to you, I mean, we dug in sheds, we'd go in rental units. And I'll just say that many of them, many times they'd hung on to stuff a little too long. It's like, man, this is good. Maybe you can get something for it. And I was like, yeah, maybe 10 years, 20 years ago. Yeah, but not right now. So we would, I told them everything we go, we smile and say, thank you. Even if it's, we know when we get back, it's going to the dumpster. Praise God. Thank you. God bless you. We will get this. Stuff is if we're not careful, we'll get so consumed with having stuff that we forget that many times it has us. And when Jesus is talking about this thing of treasure and storage, he literally is meaning more stuff than I can do. And, it, and what he's doing is he's trying to get us, as we looked at last week, and Pastor Mark Anthony, was to get investing in the kingdom of God. Not in the storage unit. Anybody had some stuff stored besides me? And you went back and some bugs got into it. Them little silver little things crawling through the stuff. Yeah. And then you get stuff in there and some other vermins got in there. And it's like, uh-oh, they found a hole somewhere. And oh, you get in there, it's like, ew. So you think about it. If you do a storage unit, you stored it for them. <laughs> so they could, they could have something to eat or they could have some 
place the nest. And you go, wow, I could have got rid of that a lot sooner. I think of, uh, I was looking up some of the richest people in the world talking about stuff. And of course, J.D. Rockefeller popped up on the Google search. Yes, I use Google in preparing because I don't know this stuff. And so Rockefeller, y'all love this, was at one time the wealthiest man on the planet. And in today's dollars, this is going to blow your mind a little bit. Maybe it did mine. He would be wealthier than Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett combined. Some of y'all go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he was asked one time, how much money is enough? And Rockefeller answered with a smile on his face, just one little bit more. How many of you are just that one little bit more? Like, I just need that little extra stuff. And if we're not careful, because America has made it easy to get the stuff. It can show up. Like, anybody ever order something, and it sits, under, sits somewhere, and it sits somewhere, and it doesn't even get open? Because you had to have it that moment, and you can just have it shipped to your house. Send it. I need it. I got to have it. Boom. Stuff. And you stuff it in the closet. And a couple years later, you go, oh, I forgot I had that stuff. This is, where, this is what Jesus literally was leaning into here when he said store up treasure. He wasn't talking about our day-to-day living, our day-to-day eating and moving. We'll get to that. That's the practical aspect. Getting into the, uh, uh, this, this thing of, of practical aspect of our possession. But what he was doing is he was literally trying to get people to understand you're going to spend your money somewhere. And don't get so comfortable on this planet. It's not forever. We will live somewhere forever, but our stuff will not. Like think about how many people, and I'm not going to go into, because I don't want to stir any bad feelings up, how many people because of stuff that was left behind because you didn't get the stuff that was left behind because your brother or your sister or your aunt or your, somebody else got it. And you go, mm. <laughs> You get mad like, I can't believe they took my stuff. It was my stuff. It wasn't your stuff. It was your parents or your grandparents. They left it, whatever. And granted, I don't want to make light of it because I know sometimes that happens. But I'm just saying it's still stuff. And we go on, and we're, we're going to continue to move forward. And I just want to encourage us as we think about stuff and we think about spending and the possession, let's be practical about it and understand that we want to invest in eternal things, not just in temporal. Temporal means temporary. It's everything we have. It's temporary, but eternal. So for to think about and like I said, Pastor Mark, and I encourage you to go back, check it out again this week, and, and you can follow the whole service series we've been on. But God wants us to use our treasure, our excess. He doesn't want you to wear, I'm going to give away my last $20. Here you go. God bless you. Go eat something. Don't do it like, I'm going to test God. Really, he wants you to have something. He really does. And you can do that. And there are people that have done it. And then they go around and go, man, I'm so hungry. True story, I had this happen one time at a youth event. I was a youth leader. I was not a youth pastor, so it was many years ago. And I thought, you know, we went to this youth event, and I had all these young people, and I was with Doug Watson, our, our, our former youth pastor, many years ago. And I'm just thinking, hey, 
I was at the conference and I felt I'm going to give, and I didn't have a lot of money back then. I was like, I'm going to give $20. And this is y'all true story. And I give it like, I'm going to give it. Jesus, this is for you. Thinking I had a 20 stashed in my wallet. Thinking I got another 20 stashed in there. Not going to give it all. Guess what? I gave that 20. We stopped to eat. I pulled my wallet. I said, I already used that <laughs> another time. And so this whole thing of, oh, I did give it all and didn't mean to. So I had to ask some people around me, hey, you going to eat all those fries? <laughs> I felt like, hey, let me get. So anyhow, when we think about stuff and we think about investing, it's a kingdom mindset that I'm not going to live here forever, so I'm going to invest in such a way that it's going to far outlive me on this planet, that other people are going to come to know Jesus because of what I give today. Like, it's going to be generational, just like today. I am here because of people's faithfulness. Generation, like, like years and years before I ever showed up at Christian Renewal, because of their generosity and their faithfulness, I get to stand before you today and share the Word of God. That is amazing to me. This is what it far outlives us. And so when we think of treasure and think about that, that's what I want to encourage us to do. And so when we give financially to the church, or that's where, where, where he's saying you're laying up treasure in heaven. When we, when we give, like what those of you who have given to Terry sharing her testimony, and man, that's, that, you're storing up treasure in heaven. Yes, it blessed her. But Jesus takes great notice of that going, man. And my children acting like they're supposed to. They really matter. It cares. It's a beautiful thing. I love what uh, a, li a little later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives this high, uh, this, this, little, this literally, this high invitation and this high ask. Like he's going to ask them something very hard. And in Matthew 16, 24, 27, he says it this way. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life loses, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And he goes on to say, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Think of this, this entourage that's coming down. It's coming in. When I tell you he likes to celebrate, he loves to celebrate. We got his Father. We got angels. They're showing up. And what does he have? Then he will reward each according to his works, what he's done, what he's given. And so as your pastor, I just want to challenge you. I'm I'm. I'm I just wanted to go back over this for just a moment, and we're jumping in right now to where I want to get to today, which we didn't cover that we want to get to today as far as jumping into Matthew 20, starting in uh, verse uh, 25 through 34. So if you got to, you can read this with me real quick. We're going to go down. It says, therefore, I say to you, after he's talking about giving, talking about eternal perspective, talking about treasure talking about storage can't serve god in money he's then his next verse is therefore i say to you do not worry about your life 
what, will you, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, and for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? That's a special scripture to me. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And then he finishes it. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles or unbelievers seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. And I think it's ironic that Jesus went to two main points. Or used two examples when, we, when he was talking about the whole thing of being practical with our possessions. And there, there are these two things. They're called food. Everybody say food and fashion. <laughs> Come on now. Those two are very important. Think about how much we like our food here in Southeast Georgia. How much time and effort we put into the, the preparation. I mean, we put in time. There's some of you ladies anointed with the spoon. Some of you men, man, you give them a grill in about 24 hours. They marinate and they put stuff and Ooh, they get it going, slow cook. You think of all the time we put into that, and Jesus is saying, don't worry. And I believe this. I believe that Jesus, I believe that Jesus went into don't worry because he was saying, if we live the generous life like he talks about. Because let's be honest, when, you know, when you get, you get, you don't want to be too generous because then what will you have? And Jesus is saying, hey, Look, you're not going to be able to outgive God. It's not going to happen. And I'm living proof right now today to tell you I've tried. You cannot outgive God. I love, I look for opportunities. I don't, it's not just on Sunday morning. It's when you're out in the community. I know many of you do the same thing. It gives a perspective of this is not my home. I value people. I value being able to have a, a, a say-so in their life to give me an opportunity to, to not just say I love you, but demonstrate what God's like. And so when we look at this and we're talking about being generous, that's an area where we struggle. Because I, I, I don't want to be left without. And I just want to encourage you. When we talked, the first thing he brought up was this thing. The very first thing he brought up was food. Therefore, don't say, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink. Let's be honest, in church, how many besides me have ever asked, there's a group of you, and you're thinking about, hey, I'm hungry. Hey, y'all want to go get something to eat? And then you try to decide where y'all are going to go get something to eat. About an hour goes by. You're starving at this point. You're like, where are you? Where are we going? And everybody, it's always the one that says, it don't matter. Y'all choose. And then they say, okay, let's go here. They're like, well, no, I ain't eating that. 
Or they say, oh, let's go there. No, I ain't eating that either. Well, then don't lie and say you'll eat anything. You're lying. You got a problem. But this whole thing of worrying about food, we have it right here on this campus. Where are we going to go eat? I'm, so, I'm starving. It's funny because anybody ever walked in their pantry that has all the food in it? And it's got stuff and it's stuff that's stored in there. And you go in there, there's nothing to eat in this house. You open the refrigerator, the freezer, you can't get nothing else in there. There is nothing to eat in this house. Man, I was notorious that as a young mom, mom, there's nothing to eat in this house. And what we're saying is there's nothing that I really, really want. Can we just go to Chick-fil-A? No, I'm only kidding. Can we just, this whole thing of, hey, I've got such particular taste that it, I really got, I'm worried about what it is I want to put in my mouth. And Jesus is telling them, why are you worried about such things? That's not something that needs to be on our daily list. There's plenty of stuff to, that will try to grab our attention, but food shouldn't be one of them. Like I said, young people, we were notorious. My mom, I don't know if that, I, they don't do it as much today, but we had seven kids in a 10 year span and we sat down every night to eat supper at the table, every night. And mom cooked everything and, and you had, you better hurry up and eat because there was not enough for seconds and you couldn't get seconds unless you cleaned your plate. When it was time, we said, bless us, O Lord, and these lives gifts which you're about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs> you went to town and there was no conversation. There was not, hey, how was your day? <laughs> All the kids were just like, okay, we're going to get this. And we were going, the only night that didn't happen, when my mom was trying to save money and she cooked liver. Oh, Jesus. Now, some of my people in here, <laughs> my boy Patrick, I love him. Elder E's, man, liver and onion. I'm like, oh, oh. So on those nights, I had a sister that loved it. And I could pay her a quarter, and she would eat my little thing of liver. I'm like, I can't. There's not enough ketchup. There's not enough barbecue sauce. There's not enough stuff I can put on that. When I get to the end, it's like, mm. it's still there. It's stuck. I couldn't drink enough. We had. A, I couldn't drink enough Kool-Aid to wash that down. Yes, we did do Kool-Aid, y'all. So with that, this whole thing of when we talk about food, when we look at this, it's like he mentions. Y'all got to get this. So he's on this mountainside, and there's birds flying around. It's not like he just pulled that example out of the air, which he did. There's birds flying around. He says, hey, guys, as a matter of fact, let me give you an object lesson right here. Take these birds, for instance. Look at them. They're not toiling. They're not. You didn't see them planting seeds. They're like, okay, let me get the seeds in here. Okay, let me, let me water it, you know, okay. He was saying to them, look at them right here, they're eating. Now, he didn't say, and i got to make this clear, he didn't say don't work. <laughs> look, I just need to sit at home, and DoorDash is going to show up at my door every night. It's just going to show up there. That's not what he said at all. He wasn't saying you don't have to work. He, I mean, matter of fact, it's contrary. Uh, matter of fact, socialism is not in the Bible. I'm, it may hurt somebody's feelings to know that, but it's not there. <laughs> matter of fact, the Bible says if you don't work, it, 
If you don't work, you don't eat. So this thing of, I'm just going to wait and somebody. Now, I do want to tell you too at this moment that look, we have an incredible church and many years again, before I ever showed up here, there were people that said they're going to be people that are hungry, that need clothing. And we have a, a, a building on our property that is specifically, it's called Lows and Fishes. If you know of anybody or you yourself are hungry or you need clothes, let's be honest. I'm not, we're going to get to clothes in a minute, but we just will finish food because clothes, Lord Jesus, watch out. Um, some of y'all, even when I say that, you go, let's quickly go over that one. No, because but there is a place right there. If you've got friends and you're out in the community and somebody says, I'm hungry, send them. We're here. We're open. We want that. We give to that. I give every week. Like, I'm going to make sure we can do that. Proverbs says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. I'm like, I'm lending to the Lord? He's going to pay big dividends. So do that. So that's the whole thing. This thing, when he talks about birds, they do. They do work every day. You'll see them. Dang, they're not just sitting there waiting for it on a plate. They do go and do it, but they're not working to, to cause it to happen. They are in the process of receiving what God has given them. And the same thing with us. And it's funny because when you think about it, the birds, they're not sitting there worried or frustrated. They're just like, hey, look, let me go get in here. Let me go find a worm. Let me go get that. The next part that we jump into is this thing called fashion. And that's in 28 through 30. And it says, so why do you worry about clothing? Uh-oh, oh, 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 oh. And I'm talking to men too. How many closets of clothing are enough? Well, I got my winter wardrobe, and then I got my summer wardrobe, and I got my spring wardrobe, I got my, my fall wardrobe. And we got all this wardrobe, and we're like, hold on now, I got this whole wardrobe. We got to get out. And, and it's a thing when he talks about, don't worry. And I gotta, I gotta bring this up. Y'all, church, when we talk about don't worry what, we will, what you'll wear. Anybody here worry about what you're gonna wear to church? Because you worry like, and I wanna break, I wanna break something off of us this morning because it's a lie from the pit of hell. That somehow we have to be dressed all nice and proper for church. That is not anywhere in the Bible. It's not there. You go study it. It didn't come around till the 18th century when the, when, the, when the cotton mills, most people in Jesus' day, when Jesus is telling this, they usually only had one thing of clothing. They didn't have a wardrobe. They didn't have a closet where they stored it. Only the rich people. What they had, this is what you get. This is what I have. Even we know our parents and our grandparents. What they had, you ask them what they, you know, look, they had these little britches. True story. I grew up with two older brothers. Every pair of pants I owned growing up had patches in the knees. I'm like, oh, is this supposed to be that way? And it was only because my brothers got to break them in and put holes in them. I'm like, mom, put a patch. Here you go, Mark. Here's your new pants. I'm like, thanks, mom. Love that. But anyhow, when we talk about clothing, we got to understand that, hey, it shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is. Now, granted, I know everybody likes to look good, but ask yourself why. I've had people that said they could not come to church because of one reason. I don't have anything nice to wear. And I'll look at them and say, right there, come just like that. 
And I'd love to think that's good, but let's everybody be honest. When somebody comes in and they're not, quote, dressed the way we like, what's the look we give? You go up, hey, come here, give me a hug, what you doing? Or is it like, hi, hey, hey. We've we got to be careful, y'all, as a church. Granted, there's nothing wrong with looking nice, don't get me wrong, but it's nowhere in Scripture where we said, hey, we got to be decked to the night. As a matter of fact, that was where the richer people did in England. And then as the middle class began to develop, they're like, we want to be like them. And it's like, what? Jesus said, no, it's not what you wear on your back that's going to make you holy. Nothing about your clothing is going to make you special to God. Matter of fact, that's what he said in, in, um, in, in 1 Samuel. I, I, didn't, I didn't put the, the scripture verse up there. I didn't put it. But he says, hey, Solomon, he looked at Solomon and he said, um, I mean, excuse me, the prophet Samuel. Samuel went to anoint a king and he said, oh, sure. He looked at David's oldest brother. He said, surely he's the king. He looks kingly. And they overlooked David that was a stinky little shepherd boy that had to be called in from the field they're going to, Samuel's going to anoint a king, and he's thinking, that's him. Look how regal. Look how good he looks. Instead of this ruddy, which is what the scripture says, this ruddy young boy comes in from the field, stinking like sheep. There he is. We've got to be careful here in our church that it doesn't matter how you come. You don't have to have the standard that look, we come just as you are. I could tell you story after story of loving people through their stuff where the, and, and watch God do a tremendous work in their life. That's what he wants us to do. And so when he says that, he uses, there again, he looks over to the side. There's lilies, and on that mountainside right there in northern Galilee, it, there were lilies that would be growing, and he looked, take them, for instance, look at them. Why are you worried about that? He's going to take care of it. And we all know like, how it's got to have the right name on it. Like, i got to sport the name. Anybody remember a, a, a brand of shoes called Hot Boxes? <laughs> they came from Kmart. They were the knockoffs of the Chuck Taylors, Converse. <laughs> the, the wealthy people could, could afford the Converse. I wore Hot Boxes. It was $10.99 at Kmart where I worked. I'm like, I'd sport my, like, let's go. I got my hot boxes on. They knew. We've got to be careful that we don't get so locked up and worried about what is on our backs instead of what's in our hearts. What are we using in here? What is this doing on the inside? Now, I've, I've asked this question, is it the man that makes the clothes or the woman that makes clothes? Or is it the clothes that make the man or make the woman? And many people think when I put this or I put something on, oh, Superman is a great example. <laughs> Clark Clint, Clark Kent, he's got his glasses, coat on. He goes into a phone booth, oh, I'm Superman. We think sometimes that it's this that I wear, and I just want to challenge us like Jesus did. Jesus told his, his followers, hey, don't worry. Don't, don't get so wrapped up all pun intended, on what you got wrapped around you. Be more concerned of what's in here than what's hanging out here. If we'll do that, I promise you, we'll have an impact on this community 
where people just, they could, I just got to get there, man. They don't even care. And the last part, and this is probably the most powerful, is this thing of worry. Worry is a big deal. Worry is a massive deal. We worry about our bills. We worry about our food. We worry about our things. And, and, and there, if we're not careful, we get so caught up in worry. It's so funny. I heard someone say one time, there's some people that have to worry so much that when they don't have anything to worry about, they worry about not having anything to worry about. Like, oh, I'm supposed to, oh, I don't have anything to worry. I'm worried about that. I love what uh, Corey Ten Boone said. It says, worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And also, um, the other one was, worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you moving, but doesn't get you anywhere. And I want to challenge us as I close this morning to think about what is it I'm allowing to attach itself to my mind and my heart and what is it that God is wanting me to lean into, the freedom that he has for me and the joy that he has for me. That, so the opposite of worry is really trust in God. It's like, I don't think he'll take care of me, that I know he's good and I know he'll do it, but I'll do a better job myself than God would. And so God, you sit this one out and I'm gonna take it from here. And I'm just telling you this morning, if I could challenge us, to trust more and worry less. I love what David said in Psalms 37, 25. He said this, I've been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. What he was saying is God's going to take care of us. And then finally, in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, I close with this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. Your, that's the core of your being, the core of your emotion, your minds. It's gonna guard them through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so I want us to take just a minute and I want you to think and do a little inventory. What is the greatest worry that you have in your life right now? As you sit here or as you sit at your house, what is the greatest worry that you have right now in your life? And I want you to ask yourself this question. Is it too big for God? Is it too big for God? Is it too big for God to meet that need or to meet that. Let me ask you this also. How has the Lord helped you gain a biblical understanding about possessions as we've talked about them? And how does it, this life of generosity, how does it work and how does it operate through you? This morning I want to close with an old hymn and it's one we're very familiar with. And I want this to be our anthem of this church as we move forward. Because Jesus, through, through this message, through this 10-minute sermon, Jesus is trying to draw us to himself to say, stop being so self-reliant and start being God-reliant. 
Sit back and watch what I can do. Come allow, that's what he's saying, let me be me in you instead of you holding so tight to everything.